Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Bills fans, it's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. If you haven't yet, make sure you check out our brand new podcast, uh, Not Another Buffalo Podcast. It's available on Tuesday afternoons and Friday afternoons. Uh, it's a great addition to our lineup, which includes, I mean, just so many shows every week. Um, I think we're probably up to 10 or 11 or something like that, and I probably should have gone and counted, but I didn't. We're up to a bunch of different shows, so no matter what your taste in Buffalo Bills content podcast, there's definitely a show for you. As always, for this show, you can send in your questions at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at A with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us emails, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can send us Facebook or Instagram messages to our official Buffalo Rumblings account, and they will make their way to me as well. One more announcement uh, before we get into our show today. This Saturday, November 6th, uh, at 6 p.m. at Resurgence Brewing, Jay Spence the King is hosting a live taping of his uh, video cast, his podcast. Um, you guys should come out. We're doing a beer release of the Buffalo Rumblings Buffalo IPA. Um, if you're 21 or older, uh, you should come out and uh, and try some. I, I'm making plans to be there. I'm 90% sure I'm going to be able to be there um, for the uh, beer release on Saturday. Uh, evening at six o'clock at Resurgence Brewing in Buffalo. Uh, so if you can make it out, that would be awesome. Uh, make sure you come over and say hi, and um, I'll be around for a little bit for that. Uh, so anyway, let's get into this game against the Miami Dolphins. It was a lot closer than I think a lot of folks thought it was going to be. Um, but again, the Bills covered the spread. They still won by 15 points. And so when you look at the outcome, I don't know if we're going to hear a little bit of that kind of doom and gloom in our questions today, but I don't, I don't necessarily think it's, it's gloom and doom time in Buffalo. Um, And and we'll probably get to the trade deadline before we're out of the, uh, the episode today as well. So uh, first let's start with my takeaways from the game. Again, these are written during the game and immediately after the game. And of course with the game being on Halloween this week, um, and trick-or-treating starting right after the game finished. Um, I was a little bit rushed, so I um, I wrote a follow-up article on Monday morning, too, so I'll include some stuff from that. But my first takeaways from the game were um, Neko wafers. I, I went with the Halloween candy theme, of course. Uh, Brian Dable's first-half play calling was just not what I wanted to see. On 3rd and 10, um, Dable called a, a quarterback draw, picked up a single yard. Um, 
but they were bailed out by a long Tyler Bass kick. And I should say before I get into this, I'm not 100% sure what Josh Allen checked into um, and what was called by Brian Dable. So I'm just going to assume that this was Brian Dable um, for now. But if it was Josh Allen checking into it, then Josh Allen gets the Necco wafer. Um, but that third and 10 draw, quarterback draw, was just not a good call at all. It gained one yard. There were a bunch of second and long runs uh, that dominated the first 15 uh, to 30 minutes of the game. The first drive, um, it was a third and five after uh, a five-yard run on second and 10. Um, on the next drive, it was you know six yards and, and on, on second and 10 on a run, which is good. Like You're getting part of it, but I just think with Buffalo's prolific passing attack, um, being able to push it down the field a little bit would be would be helpful. And if it's a pattern, that's that's kind of my biggest thing. It's like every single time the Bills got to a second and ten, it felt like they were going to run, you know, a hand an inside handoff for five yards. Um, on third and one during the second quarter, the Bills brought in Reggie Gilliam to lead block for an off tackle run that went nowhere with Zach Moss. I just the, the play calling felt way too predictable in the first part of the game. Uh, Reese's goes to Ed Oliver, who finally had a really nice day. Uh, we found out after I published this that Leslie Frazier um, gave Ed Oliver the game ball uh, for his play against the Miami Dolphins, but he was in the backfield that whole game. He had a tackle for a loss, uh, forcing a third and long. Later on the drive, after the, the Dolphins converted via penalty, um, he had a pressure that forced a quick uh, Tua Tagaviola uh, incompletion on third down to end that drive. He was in on the f- uh, third down run stop that forced Miami's first field goal. He had a sack taken off the board in the fourth quarter because of Jerry Hughes' offsides call. It, it was just a really good week for Ed Oliver. It's the kind of week we want to see from him week in and week out to justify that um, top 10 pick. Uh, Twix bars, again, those were really good. Uh, seven straight wins over the Miami Dolphins. It's never happened before. If Charles Clay catches that ball uh, a few years ago in 2018 in Josh Allen's first start against the Miami Dolphins, uh, if he catches that ball with a minute left on the goal line and the Bills win that game, the Bills would have won 10 straight against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it's just been this run of domination since Sean McDermott took over the Buffalo Bills, and of course since Josh Allen uh, has been drafted. Uh, the Take 5 bar, which again, a personal favorite of mine, the Bills converted their red zone opportunities. Something we talked about over the bye week was that the Bills haven't been able to convert their red zone chances into touchdowns. They've been able to convert drives into points at a rate better than any team in the NFL, but converting those red zone trips into touchdowns rather than field goals hasn't been their strength this year, but they were able to do that three out of four times uh, against the Miami Dolphins, including the nail in the coffin, Josh Allen uh, touchdown run at the end of the game. They did what I asked them to do in the podcast, and you can go back and re-listen to it because I'm super proud of this point, is that the Bills attacked the field when it was at the 20-yard line, at the 19-yard line, at the 18-yard line, even further back at the 25 yard line they used when they had space they used it to try and attack the goal line now they didn't throw Stefan Diggs into the end zone uh, but Gabe Davis they threw to him um, 
into the end zone uh, when they were at like what the 15 yard line or 14 yard line or something like that. And Stefan Diggs was over the middle wide open uh, to get those yards after the catch into the end zone on that really great uh, touchdown pass that Josh Allen threw. So they were able to take advantage of, even though they were in the condensed field in the red zone, they still used all 20 yards of the red zone instead of getting it down to like the one or two yard line and then just trying to smash it in. Uh, they were able to do that on the Josh Allen uh, bootleg run at the end of the game. But, you know, being able to spread the field even in the red zone was just so important for them. Uh, now, the Dolphins did not do what other teams have done to be successful against the Bills in the red zone, and that's drop eight guys into coverage uh, and only rush three. The, the Dolphins did not do that. Uh, they stayed in man for the most part, uh, but Buffalo was really able to take advantage in the red zone, and that is going to be a key moving forward if they want to be successful in the uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I just threw a couple other uh, Miami nuts and bolts into the takeaways again. I was I was being rushed after the game, but uh, Miami really did have a nice first half, but couldn't score any points. They had the missed field goal. Um, they had a couple of you know really missed opportunities as well in the first half. That could have been a much much different game, and I'm sure they're kicking themselves over it now. Um, speaking of nice games for Miami, Devontae Parker had five catches for 68 yards in the first half. Uh, but the Bills held him to just two catches in the second half for 17 yards. He still finished with 85 yards on the day and uh, seven catches. So he, he was obviously a problem. Uh, but, you know, when Levi Wallace is the weak link of your defense, I, th- I, I just keep coming back to this. I still think you're going to have a very good defense if Levi Wallace is the weak link on your defense. So we're going to talk about weak links um, a little bit after the break here. But... The Bills are scoring better than any team in the NFL. They are doing really, really well at a lot of things. And so when you look at the holes on this team, they're not, they might be glaring to us, but they're not glaring when you watch, say, other football teams play in their games or when other fans of other teams watch the Bills. They look, they see the Bills and they see a very complete team. And so um, I think the questions that we're having right now and that we'll get to after the break here are, um, are relatively minor compared to the rest of the NFL. But we've always talked about this, and I've been very consistent on this podcast and on the blog over at buffalorumblings.com, is that we're not trying to just be good. We're not trying to be great even. We're trying to be Super Bowl champions. And so that's the standard we're always going to hold up when we're talking about whether it's roster building or play calling or uh, quarterback play or the pass rush or anything like that, even Levi Wallace. We want championship caliber play and decisions at every single level and so when we're critical that's the standard we're going for stick around uh we'll talk about how to get to that championship level after we get back from this quick break don't go anywhere hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
All right, let's start it off talking about the NFL's trade deadline, which is Tuesday at 4 p.m. So there's a decent chance you're hearing this after the trade deadline. I still got a couple questions about it, so we're going to go with it. Bill asks us, got to be thinking if ever a need to make a deadline deal, it's now. The team is just too close. Late picks have little room to crack next year's roster. Without a true one-tech run stopper, a legit running back, or cornerback depth, they have fixable holes to be mended on the fly. It's not exactly a question, but I do. I did do a, a Buffalo Rumblings uh, trade deadline primer. I did look at interior offensive line, um, especially with the news that John Feliciano is going to be week to week with his uh, latest injury. I, I do think that if the Bills wanted to upgrade, there's a couple places they could do it. Um, even if it's just talking about depth, like the cornerback and tight end positions, um, maybe they don't want to upgrade over Dawson Knox as their tight end one, but they could bring in a guy that upgrades over Tommy Sweeney or provides depth for a position where they had to call up their practice squad tight end to play snaps this weekend. So a, a tight end trade could be in the works. There's a couple guys that we looked at, even a guy like Jacob Hollister, or Tyler Croft, who the Bills have had in their building over the last two years. Uh, both are buried in their respective depth charts uh, on the Jacksonville Jaguars and New York Jets and could um, be had for you know a conditional late-round future pick. Uh, so that those could be options just to add depth. Uh, you also look at a guy like Hayden Hurst down at Atlanta. He's got a really nice pedigree. He's on an expiring contract, um, and that the Falcons have already decided to move on from him after drafting Kyle Pitts, and so he's a guy that could come in and be a you know ten game rental and be you know very successful here for relatively cheap. Um, at cornerback, we looked at a couple different guys. Uh, Kyle Fuller from the Denver Broncos is a a nice player who is probably available on the market. The uh, the Denver Broncos are already selling. They shipped off uh, Von Miller to the Los Angeles Rams, but he's got a $5.3 million price tag attached with him for the rest of the year, and the Bills don't have that much cap space right now. So they'd have to create some cap space just to get him on the roster. A guy that might be more likely is Desmond King, uh, the Houston Texans, who, again, buried on their depth chart, missed a team meeting, and so he was inactive this past weekend. Could be a guy that could come in and be uh, very successful. Um, back at the uh, guard position that we already talked about, again, Andrew Norwell is a guy that everyone seems to be talking about, a former All-Pro but he's got $7 million cap hit for the rest of the year. I don't see how the Bills are going to be able to fit him. Um, if you look at a guy like Will Hernandez or Eric Flowers, those are guys that make more sense because of you know their sub $2 million cap hits for the rest of the season. So uh, all that stuff is over at buffalorumblings.com if you want to go get in on that conversation uh, before the trade deadline or even after the trade deadline to be critical um, or complimentary of the Bills go over and check that out. I don't think that the Bills are going to be trading for a, quote, legit running back. I don't think any of the guys that are on the roster or on the uh, trade block right now are worthy of being traded for at the running back position. I don't necessarily think any of them are upgrades over uh, Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. Um, yeah, I just I don't see running back being a need for this team. They didn't go out and, and sign anybody or, or try to acquire anybody legitimate this offseason so I just I, I really don't see running back as a position of need for this team and I doubt that the Bills are going to spend you know draft capital or uh, draft picks or salary cap space on another running back for this roster and then a true one tech run stopper as Bill asked about I don't 
I think that's more of a 2022 NFL draft need, and that was at the top of my list when I did the um, when I did 2022 NFL draft needs in September. So that and a cornerback are you know right near the top, and of course interior offensive line, and those are the guys we're talking about trading for right now as well. So I I, I don't think the one tech run stopper is something that's going to be coming in this year. Ed Oliver's played really well at the defensive tackle position this year. Star Latulale, I think, has played very well this year as the the one tech. Um, Harrison Phillips has been fine. I they might be trading for a defensive tackle today, but it would be as a you know, replacement for Vernon Butler if if anything. And Vernon Butler was inactive for the last several weeks, and so is that guy even going to play? So I just I don't see defensive tackle necessarily um, as a high as a high priority for them right now. But that, there's your uh, trade deadline primer uh, for uh, Rumblings Q&A. Moving on to Jack Nealon, who says, uh, it seems like Brian Dable is consistently trying to invent the wheel with his offensive game plans instead of playing to the offense strengths and defensive weaknesses. Find something that works and stick with it. The Titans do that. We kind of did that in 2020, although we can't get too complacent. I, I disagree with this. I think he is trying to find new ways because you have to constantly evolve the offense in order to stay ahead of defensive adjustments. And you have to consistently have tools in your tool belt. You saw a lot of that against the Miami Dolphins this week when the Bills tried a ton of screen passes, something that they haven't had in their toolkit um, during Josh Allen's tenure. And I think it was a good thing to develop because at some point you're going to have to be able to defeat a blitz-heavy team. Now, I know that the Bills have typically been able to do that with passing the ball down the field, but when Miami has good enough cornerbacks like they do, um, another team might have good enough cornerbacks in the future where they can you know, cover you down the field and blitz underneath. So being able to develop that screen game, I think, would be beneficial to the Bills. Um, so I think constantly changing it up is good, but then, of course, when the Bills needed it, what did they do? They went back to the four verts offense. You saw a lot of four vertical routes uh, to get chunk plays uh, in the second half. And, of course, they went back and fed Cole Beasley. I wrote an article about Cole Beasley on Monday morning about how he's been feast or famine. When the Bills go to him, they go to him a lot. And when they look away from him, they look away from him a lot. And I think it's game plan specific. But when they needed to go back to the bread and butter, that's who Josh Allen was looking for. And so I do think that Brian Dable is trying to reinvent the wheel, quote unquote, and try to add new wrinkles to the offense. But also at the same time, they find something that works and stick with it, which is, again, your question, Jack. They found the four verts offense when they needed it in the second half. They found Cole Beasley when they needed him in the second half, finding space in the zone. And I think it worked really well. So it was a little bit of both. And I think that's a good thing right now because of where they're trying to go. They can't just stay complacent. They have to keep adding uh, to the offense. Amy asks us, is it time to officially be concerned about the offense, particularly the, the offensive line, even with the numbers they've put up this season? It feels off. The second half was better than the first half, but it still seemed to struggle. Well, I keep saying it. The Bills lead the league in points per drive. The Bills lead the league in scoring average. It's, I, I don't know what else to tell you. There are obviously deficiencies on the offensive line. I think that the guard play could be better. 
I also think that John Feliciano and Ike Bucker and Daryl Williams are replacement level or better players. I don't think there's an upgrade to be had unless you're talking about Andrew Norwell, a former All-Pro, who costs $7 million for the rest of the season, and the Bills don't have that cap space. So if the Bills were somehow able to trade for him, that would be an upgrade. Other than that, I don't really see a huge upgrade for the Bills. Like, If they wanted to go get Will Hernandez... Uh, or Eric Flowers and plug them in to see if they're better, that's fine, but I don't think that it's a guaranteed lock that they're going to be better. So the offensive line, I think, is set for this year, and you have to scheme and game plan around it. Um, now, obviously, in this game, the offensive line was, was shuffled up a lot because of the Spencer Brown injury. You saw Daryl Williams uh, move out to right tackle. Uh, John Feliciano flipped from the left side to the right side, and then Ike Bucker came in on the left guard. So you had three new players in new positions on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. And that's how the Bills roll. They want their best players out there. They don't necessarily care about continuity. So the offensive line is their weak link. But if their weak link is, you know, Ike Bucker and John Feliciano, that's a pretty good weak link to have if you're an NFL team. So I'm not concerned about the offense. Not when they have Josh Allen. Not when they're scoring the most points in the NFL per drive. Um, I just, I'm, I, it's hard for me to be worried about that, but I really appreciate that that's where we are as a fan base, that we see a deficiency and we're trying to correct it so that we get to that championship caliber. But every team has warts, and it's about your ability to cover up those warts. Once the Bills play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the interior of that offensive line gets blown up once, I think we'll have a better understanding of where the deficiencies are in the team. But at the same token, if the Bills can show that they can beat that interior pass rush against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, that should give you a ton of confidence heading in to the last month and a half of the season. So it's just, it's kind of this holding pattern right now. Yes, the Bills have a problem at the interior of their offensive line, but, I mean, if that's the worst thing that's going on with your team, I think your team's pretty darn good. So thanks for that question over at Rumlinks Q&A on Twitter. Adam Polarski sent us a, a statement, not really a question. Uh, one thing I noticed is that a lot of teams struggled last week. After demolishing the Ravens, Cincinnati lost to the Jets. I feel like winning is a very strong sign, even if it is in a weird way. Great teams find ugly ways to win. We saw it against the New England Patriots for years, that they would just find a way to win. You know, win, win, win. Now, that's not always indicative of future success, but the Bills have shown that they can win in a shootout. They've shown that they can win with defense. They've shown that they can win you know, pretty much every way you can win and with coaching and with great play. And so if, if you, I just think the Bills can win every single week against any opponent. And your point is very valid, Adam. You know, great teams find ways to win. You know, Cincinnati is still young. They're still maturing. That's why they lost to the Jets and the Bills beat the Dolphins because the Bills were able to right the ship and the Bengals weren't. And we saw that with a young Bills team in the past too, playing down to their opponents. I don't think the Bills played down to their opponents this week and putting the nail in the coffin at the end of the game, I think really proved that, so thanks. Joe Green. The Bills still can't run the ball consistently. Without Josh Allen running, they would be at the bottom of the NFL in rushing. Josh cannot continue to be the leading rusher on this team. There will come a time when this will be an issue if they don't fix it fast. 
Well, I think that's disingenuous to say that without Josh Allen running, they would be at the bottom of the NFL in rushing. Obviously, that's a big part of their rushing offense. And so when they have all those designed runs for Josh Allen, it is part of the rushing offense. And if he wasn't running the ball, it'd be somebody else. So those are part of you know the rushing statistics. Um, there will come a time when this is an issue, but it's also a good weapon to have in your holster when you are looking to draw down on... You know, say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you can put 11 guys against 11 guys instead of 10 offensive players and Josh Allen handing it off, I think that's you know, going to be helpful against a tough defensive front like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I agree with you that the running game needs to be better. Uh, Zach Moss uh, wasn't particularly effective against or behind that patchwork offensive line on Sunday. Um, but I don't necessarily think that the Josh Allen bit of it is a concern at this time. He's been smart with running the ball, getting down, getting out of bounds. So I just, I'm okay with it for right now. But the running game does need to improve. Thanks for your question over at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Be sure to send in your questions for next week at 716-508-0405. Tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. Email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Facebook and Instagram messages will make their way to me as well. Make sure you come up over to Resurgence Brewing on November 6th at 6 p.m., where we'll be uh, taping a live show uh, over for the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube and podcast networks. Um, and I'll be there to uh, share a 21-year-old and over beverage with folks uh, if you want to come out to Resurgence Brewing for our new beer release over there. Thanks, and and go Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts <laughs>